I'm Andy Dorado, and welcome back to Furthermore Head-to-Head -head Month. Today, I'm joined by one of our favorite guests, Jess Harwick, from Episode 7, where we talked about Pet. And today, Jess and I are talking the 1990s novel, The Golden Compass, versus the 2019 HBO series, His Dark Materials. Which do Jess and I prefer? What animals would we choose as our daemons? How do you pronounce pant pantalone pantalones? Is that it? Did Jess and I prefer the magic of the novel or the frantic pace of the TV show? It was exciting. It was loud. She was special. Jess and I talked Miss Coulter, Golden Monkeys, and everything in between. Which did we delve into and which did we shelve? Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Furthermore. I'm Andy, and I am joined by a guest that we've already had on before. It's Jess! Woo! Jess, you're back! Welcome Hi. back. I won't make you say your last name again this okay. time. <laughs> but Jess and I, are we're doing a little head-to-head -head here on the Golden Compass slash His Dark Materials, which I want to talk about later. But uh, but yes, welcome back, Jess. How are you? Thank How are you. you feeling? I'm well, thank you. I'm... <laughs> I had the flu last week, mm. so I have oh, rallied no. to be here today. Good, thank but, you. <laughs> yeah, keep all my drums over here. How were your holidays and everything? How was the library good. then? Uh, busy. Yeah. Because the kids are out of school, yeah. so they're all in yeah. the library nice. playing video games. Nice. It's... Playing video Wait, video games at the library? Yeah, because like they don't. A lot of them don't have computers at home, uh, so they come it. in and they sign up for their thirty minutes, and it is nice. all Minecraft and, and Fortnite. Fortnite and, yep. Yeah, and they come in yep. and you know, battle each other and That's run so and funny. sign up again. So like our busy time is when the kids are off. Yeah. Like after Christmas between Christmas and New yeah. Year's. So yeah. is it slowed down now? Are they back? Yes, they're back. Yeah, nice. Yeah. They don't have as long of a break as right, like as college, college kids. Do, yeah. So yeah. yeah. I always forget that. I'm like, man Yeah, I think I know somebody in high school and I was like, When do your classes start? He was like, They've They've been going on for like three weeks now. Right. I'm like, yeah. oh, right, we're in the middle of January. They get like January. two weeks or something yeah. off. And yeah, so. The bad old days. Yeah. So, well, so Jess and I are, are we're doing, like I said, the Golden Compass. Uh, but before we get to that, I want to talk, well, I want to talk television. So we've talked books, but, uh, you know, we're, we're going to do that. So let's start with some questions and let's okay. start with, with the big one, which is do you have a favorite TV show? I do have a favorite TV show. It's Buffy the Vampire it's Slayer. Buffy. Yes. It's Buffy. Nice. I nice. I love it. I mean, it's something I came to just in the last couple of years, yeah. but I love it so deeply and so Good. intensely and so unironically. <laughs> it's amazing. Do you have a favorite movie? Um. Okay. So I do. It's my favorite movie is The Favorite. This is a recent oh, one. Oh yeah, yeah. Because it's just so gay and so fun <laughs> and so funny. Although I will say that I think that his earlier, um, The Shape of Water, same writer. No, wait. No, is that not uh, the, same the Lobster? Oh, The Lobster. The okay. Isn't The Shape of Water Guillermo del Toro? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I, that those are like <laughs> yeah, those are like two movies that I have loved very yeah, much recently. recently. Yep. I think The Shape of Water is better. Yeah. Like objectively, hmm. but the favorite is just so much fun. I was just talking about the favorite with a friend, uh, and I was saying that. I, I thought that I was going to really love that movie, and then I didn't love it as much as I thought I was going to. I liked it, but I think I was like, I'd like built it up in my head as like, I'm really going to love this. Yeah. And then I was kind of like, ah, okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. There were some just pacing things in there, I think, that 
I really specific to him, but I've never seen I've never seen the lobster or any of his other. Oh, the lobster movies, is dark. Yeah, I've never been able to sort of bring myself to watch oh it because I know it'll depress me. So yeah, it is a dark movie. I wish but... I could remember his name. I know it's a Greek last name, and I feel bad yeah, that I'm forgetting something. it now. But but um, I'm not a big movie person, yeah. so like some of mine are are more recent cuts yeah. because I don't watch a lot of movies. Yeah. I feel that way too. I, I I would rather watch a TV show than a movie, and Absolutely. I think Risa is the opposite. She really always wants to like if we can just sit down and watch a movie. She's like, yeah, but I want to sit and watch it. If I haven't seen it, I need to like sit and watch it. Yeah. And Risa's very happy to kind of do something else while it's happening. Yeah, I'm like wait, what? So, have you ever started a TV show and given up on it? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, like, there have been plenty that I've watched. I mean, Stranger Things, I haven't mm. really given... A, that's the thing with TV. I never feel like I've given up. Yeah. As much as, like... Just come back to it. Didn't later. pick up the second season yeah. or didn't, you know, watch some and didn't come back to. Yeah. So, I I guess I... Where is it, like, a book if I don't love it and I put it down, it's like, I have not finished this book yeah and a lot of tv it's like oh maybe someday i'll come back to it people have such strong opinions on so many shows that it's impossible to avoid that you've never seen this oh my god kind of thing like and that never makes me want to watch it more well that's because you hate recommendations (laughs) stop telling me to do things i don't want to do this so um and um uh, man so is buffy is that like your is that like your go-to thing like i'm i just want to throw something on let me put this on kind yeah of thing so like last week when i had the flu yeah. i watched like a season and a half of buffy yeah. and played stardew valley oh, and nice. just like that was my i am not well enough to get out of bed yeah but that's how i'm going to entertain myself nice. yeah nice. And when, I mean, when it comes to, to book and TV show things, you had sort of mentioned something on this right before we started recording. Mm. Um, do you find that you like to watch adaptations of things? Like, there are some things that I find like I'm really excited to watch. Like when yeah. they announced Good Omens, I was like, I'm really excited to watch mm, a TV yes. adaptation of that. Yes. As opposed to something like Catch-22, which Risa and I started and we still haven't finished. I was like, I more just want to see it just to see what they did with it, but I'm not. Wait, they adapted that? Yeah, just recently. Oh, I hadn't um, heard that. And it, it it's not bad. It's not great. But the guy who plays Yosarian is very handsome. But, like, you know, he's – and he's good. He's, I feel like he's sort of got the Joseph Heller attitude to it. But I don't know. It's not yeah. It's not good enough to make me want to finish yeah. it. Like, someday I'll go back to it. But – so, yeah. I don't know. There are some things that I get hyped for and some that I don't. Do you have that same – feeling yeah i mean there are plenty that i'm interested in i am more interested now that they're tv shows and miniseries i don't care for uh, generally speaking i don't care for books that have been adapted into movies yeah and that's what we were talking about before is i have this theory that books are miniseries or tv shows that if you want to adapt something into a movie you take a short story or maybe a novella but nothing longer than that because actually the kind of world building and character development that you can do in those forms translates to a movie. Mm-hmm. Whereas if if you have a novel, you need a whole like season, at least eight episodes, yeah. right? Like Good Omens is a great example yeah. where like I felt like that adapted really, really well to a eight episode miniseries. Yeah. Um because I just don't think you can do the world building that you need to, yeah. in, or and certainly the character development that you need to in two hours. Yep. You, yeah. you need ten. And one thing that Jess and I have sort of been touching on and then talking about is, as we've 
gone through these is the the 2007 movie adaptation mm-hmm. that they made of the golden compass very very much feeling like you know the first of three movies and then they never made another because it was so poorly reviewed <laughs> yeah. but it's funny to me because i feel like when we were teenagers like there was n- there would never have been a thought to make a tv series right, out of anything exactly. like this but movies definitely and i've been thinking a lot lately about like what if what if Harry Potter came out in like 2015? Like it would be a it would be a somebody it would HBO be like Game or of Amazon. Thrones. Yeah, it would be a, yeah. a TV series adaptation. It wouldn't have been movies, and, and it's it so would interesting. have been better. I, I also agree. I feel like I, I really feel like if they make a TV miniseries adaptation out of where on Harry Potter, I would watch that. Yeah, I, I really would. I don't care for the Harry Potter movies. They're not the and best. And no. part of that is because they, if you've read the books, there's. It's fine. They're yeah, fine. Right. But if you haven't read the books, I don't know how you would follow them because they actually make <laughs> no sense at all. They, they, <laughs> they leave so much out that they don't really make any sense. Yeah. I really, I need to go back and rewatch some of them. But Risa, she's like, I always, I always never liked those no. movies. But it really is. I mean, there are so many more chances being taken on television yes. now. But I think the weird reverse of that is that something like Buffy – which was very creative and very inventive and, and was not, you know, it was a, was a world that took some world building. Yeah. I think there was more opportunity given to those kinds of things. Whereas now there are some sort of original TV shows, but yeah. so much of it is based on something we're else. in such an adaptation yeah. heavy era. So for it's, better or for worse, like right. this is where we're at. It's cool to see some things brought to the, the yeah. screen, but it's also like, What's a, what's, a, what's a new idea that, you know, I just sort of haven't seen? The best TV show on right now, I think. I'm going to make a bold claim. And it. this is, uh, <laughs> people will think I'm crazy for it, is Westworld, I oh, think. Right. I yeah, love yeah. Westworld. Yeah. Um, and that's a, a, a unique idea. Yeah. That's not based on anything, yeah. although kind of the movie like there was a movie right, i don't right, know right. i don't but know it's, but it's but not it's a like, just a straight adaptation right. kind of thing yeah and but. but that's like the only off the top of my head that in kind of stranger things which i've already yeah but stranger like, things is yeah that is an example of something that's sort of original to me but with such heavy nods right. yeah, to, yeah to so many other yeah. things but it's nice to see that sometimes of like oh this isn't based on a novel or something and and you know i i love novels and i love tv but yeah i guess i always feel like sometimes you know, I wonder if it'll ever go the other way. I wonder if we'll ever come to an era where the only books that are getting a lot of attention are like old adaptations of like weird movies from yeah. the 2000s. That would oh, be weird. That would be weird. <laughs> you have the novelization of Dude, Where's My Car? Well, yeah, but yeah, they did. They recently novelized <laughs> Pan's Labyrinth. Oh, yeah. So yeah. it happens, but much more rarely. Right, right. And those don't get a, a ton of attention. Actually, one yeah. of my favorite things on the internet, which is a long time ago now the guy who who did the web comic dinosaur comics his name is ryan north he has a mm-hmm. bunch of weird books out there as well but he um years ago found the novelization of back to the future in oh. his brother's garage and it was written by this guy i want to say that guy's last name was like gypes or something and he wrote this novel based on like the first treatment of the script so yeah. it had a lot of like weird plot points that weren't oh, in the movie interesting. and it's just super weird yeah. and he basically just went through it like chapter by chapter and yeah. just highlighted how weird it was and the author like died of like died of a uh, getting stung by a 
a, a bee's what? like a whole bee's nest oh, or that's something. Weird. And it that's was like weird this story. weird. There's just so much weirdness around yeah. this book that oh, it was. So it's really worth reading. I think it's called B to the F. And I, I every now and then I find Oof. it on the internet and I just like read back through Ryan yeah. North being like, what is happening in this scene? This yeah. is so weird. So, oh, so weird. Uh, but, but yeah. So, so uh, it is cool to see this stuff happening. It is interesting that uh, we got a we got a Golden Compass adaptation now after all this time. But I think it's really interesting that it is not called the Golden Compass. It is called His Dark Materials. Yeah. So they really are banking on this working yeah. out. Again, Like kind of like the movie, they're really yeah. banking on it working out because it's not just the first book. They're, yeah. It looks like they're ready to do all of it. Do you think they'll, do you think they'll make it through all of them? I think they will, yeah. um, unless something kind of horrible happens. I saw enough press about this mm -hmm. and enough good reviews about the first season yeah. that I don't know if it's been officially re renewed for a second season, but right. I'm sure it will be. Yeah. Although I do wonder if part of calling it His Dark Materials was international appeal. Yeah. Because it's not sold as the Golden Compass right. anywhere else in the world. Hmm. This It's sold as northern lights oh right the first i forgot one. about that so the only the only like common denominator in right. the first book is the his dark material series yeah. yeah now it is the subtle knife and the amber spyglass right. for two and three but the golden compass is an american title yeah it's just like philosopher's stone and sorcerer's stone so weird yeah i don't know why i i didn't see anything for why i mean the philosopher sorcerer's thing that was is they thought Americans were too stupid right. to understand what a philosopher right. was in that context, <laughs> which I don't know that they were wrong. They, what, know, they might I, not. I, have. I, yeah. Um, but I didn't. I didn't see any reason for the Golden Compass over right. Northern Lights. Yeah. Which do you like better? Uh I don't know. I guess the Golden Compass, just because like that's what I. It, that feels a little more specific to me. Northern yeah. Lights was like, oh, is this is just a book about the Northern Lights, whereas like the Golden Compass is okay. This yeah. is like you know something specific right. in the book is a Golden Compass. And but. in the same way that books two and three, like the Subtle Knife and the Amber Spyglass, are like yeah. touchstone things. Yeah, like yeah. I like the consistency. Northern yes. Lights being a place, and the Golden Compass right. being like the touchstone thing yeah. in this yeah. one. Yeah. So tell me about your, your experience with this book. When did you first read it? Are you a long-time fan of it? I am a medium-time fan <laughs> of it, I guess. I read it um, three years ago, mm. I think, actually at the recommendation of somebody we worked with. Mm. Um, it was like, you need to go back. <laughs> it was one that I, I was discouraged from reading as a child because yeah. there was the whole thing with the church. Yep. And it being an atheist version and yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know that I was ever really told I couldn't read something mm -hmm. growing up, but it, I was discouraged from it yeah. and there was enough else going on yeah. that I just, and then by the time that I think my parents wouldn't have cared, I had moved past it. Yeah. I was reading other things. Right. I was into Stephen King because yeah. he's more appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> you know how that goes. Much better. <laughs> um, but... Um, and I just kind of blew past it. And then one of our old coworkers was mm. like, no, you, this is, it's one of her favorite series. Yeah. So she really encouraged me to read it. So I read it when I started at the store yeah. or not long after I started at the store. Um, and I read all of them. I really liked them, um, but had never seen the movie. Yeah. Um, and I hadn't, you know, the, the show was something that was kind of 
happening and I was interested right. in. But again, there's a lot of good TV. Yeah. Also, I could just rewatch Buffy. So <laughs> yeah. like, I just I hadn't gotten around to it yet until you asked me to do this. Yeah, I remember reading this. So apparently, this came out in 1995. Wow. I don't think this came out in the states in 95. Like I think I feel like it was the UK and then maybe later. Yeah. But I definitely I probably read this. I'm gonna guess and say it was like 2000 or 2001. Because mm. my my story with this is always that I was young enough that a lot of the like church stuff kind of went over my head i didn't yeah. really get the real world parallels or like that stuff i was young enough for that to go over my head but old enough to know that it was going over my head okay. like i remember yeah. reading it and being like there's so much more to this that i just don't think i understand and i remember the later books it's been since then since i read it. i i have okay. not touched it since then and i remember in the later books i remember them like going to hell or something that felt it was like like hell and then wasn't and then i remember there being some sort of sort of sexual awakening in like the third yeah. book and again i was like i i think i know what this is alluding to but i don't know if i do and yeah. i'm young and I, is this the garden of eden i'm confused <laughs> i was like i like yeah. enjoyed them but also kind of felt like okay i i did it i made yeah. it through them and right so I've always kind of wanted to go back and read them, but I also, you know, they, 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 there's something about them that just never really stuck with me. Right, The right, first one yeah. definitely did. I mean, it was still, I, I liked them enough that when the movie came out, I was excited. I was yeah. like, I remember liking that book and I want to see it. And particularly the Armored Bears for some reason. Yeah. There was something that stuck in my head in that book and then seeing yeah. that actually was pretty cool to see on, on the big screen. And in the movie, it's, you know, it's voiced by... Is it Ian McKellen that voices the one oh, bear and wow. Christopher? No, it's um um Shane uh, McShane. Ian McShane does one of the bears. Okay. Ian McShane is the guy who voices the evil, uh, the villain in Kung Fu Panda too. Oh, like, okay. got that sort of like snooty British voice. That, but yeah, I remember that, and I remember you know it was like I just seen Lord of the Rings, and okay. so I was like, yeah, Ian McKellen, he's super cool, and yeah. he's this bear and awesome, and what well, it was so, the same. People. Was it? I don't think Peter Jackson no, was but involved, but there I think were the producers production, yeah. involved because yep. that was like a big selling point. When yep. I was doing research for this, yeah. um, I saw that I watched the trailer, <clears throat> and it it actually it's a ring that's like falling ah. that turns into a compass, and like with the ring, it's like <laughs> from the team that brought you Lord of the Rings, and then it turns into the compass, and it goes, <laughs> you know, um, your next big fantasy adventure. Yeah. So like that was a big selling point. So they so they thought it would be, and then so they thought maybe if Peter Jackson was behind it, they could have they could have gotten it. So he is born the same year my dad was. Mm. So he was born in 1946, uh, and yeah, I mean he my experience with him and you might have the same in working in bookstores is that after this he was sort of like very involved in fairy tales he did a he he sort of rewrote some old Grimm's fairy tales with an introduction by was it jack zipes or oh, wow. maybe the vice versa or something like that so he's been involved in that and recently he had something out i think it was called damon voices and i think it's sort of about like storytelling and so he seems like somebody who's very involved Do you mean with uh philip pullman yeah that's what i'm talking you about you said peter jackson peter jackson yeah peter and, jackson so i was, was like why is this things, relevant so. to what we're talking about i was so confused yes no i don't know what the hell peter jackson's doing nowadays <laughs> philip pullman you're right yes. does have that yes. book on storytelling yeah. called okay wait i want to ask you this. yeah 
How do I say that? Damon word? or demon? I say Damon, but I do too. I the I, I don't know. There's just like something about that AE. I never really looked it up, but well, it's one of those things that's stuck in my head from being a kid and reading that. And in my head, I was like, this A and E that are fused it must be together. Like an a. Yeah, it doesn't sound to it. But now in the show, in the movie, mm-hmm. and on the audiobooks, yeah, they say demon. Yeah, and I hate it. Yeah. I hate it because I mean, even if it's incorrect. I think maybe it's all my Buffy, yeah. but it's like demon is like monster from hell. Yeah. Whatever, like that's not, and that's not what these are. Yeah. So like Damon is like enough otherworldly in my head to like separate it and like it's its own thing. Yeah. But I just yeah. thought it was really interesting. It's something I noticed watching the show that oh, yeah. they said demon and I was like, no, no, they're not demon. You're wrong. I don't, <laughs> they're probably not. They're probably right. But in my head, it's wrong. Um, at some point in time, I probably would have, you know, I remember in, in school in acting school, I took a, like a dialect or like yeah. a voice class and I probably would have known that. My, my friends who were singers probably know how to do the, yeah. the, you know, the, the international alphabet there, but you're, you were totally right. I, you know, there's enough in here that's sort of like, floating on the surface of is this pointing to this or is this not that i feel like if he wanted to call them demons for the ironic sake he just would have written d-e-m-o-n right i feel like it just would have been right that it doesn't really make sense as a stylistic choice exactly if there's not some sort of pronunciation somewhere out there somebody knows exactly why he did it how it's pronounced and they're like what the hell you guys how do you not know it but it's i don't know. know it's just one of those little things that it's like those those you know you read names that just stick in your head as a way of of saying it and that's mm, just yeah. always the way you know you you said it i feel like there was something in in harry potter that finally i was like oh that isn't how you say that name or that word for me and it's serious mm. i i always said cyrus reading Interesting. it because i yep. you know i yeah. was reading it as a yeah, ten year old or whatever. Yeah. So it was Cyrus, and then the first time that some that I guess I saw the movie and they were serious, yeah. I was like, "Wait, really? Yeah. Who's serious? Why would yeah. you? Yeah, yeah, too weird." Well, on the subject of of demons, yeah, if you had to, if you had a demon, what would it be? Ooh, I don't know, man. I wasn't expecting that question, so I am not <laughs> prepped for this one at all. You know what? I feel like it would be something in the water, and it's something we we're not going to get into it in the first fifty pages, yeah. but there is a mention at some point that. People who have water demons, demons, whatever, yeah. are like stuck being pirates, oh, and, yeah. you know, and like <laughs> doing things in the water. And right. for some reason, that like it, that has always kind of interesting. I've been drawn to that. Huh. So like, I don't know, maybe like an octopus. That is a like, great choice. <laughs> I that's that's what I feel like top of my head. I asked Reese this question last night too, and I was like, "What would mine be?" And I could not, I just couldn't settle on anything other than dog. Like I just, it would. Then you'd be a servant. I feel yeah, exactly. It would be, it would be some sort of dog. And I was like, what if it wouldn't be a dog? But then I just, I like just couldn't think of another animal. And you know, you, you want to find something cool. Like I want to pick like kangaroo or something. Oh, that's a, no, you would make a great kangaroo. (laughs) I can totally see that for you. That is canon now. That's what we're going with. That's the great thing about these, these creatures Uh, though, is it's like, can you just imagine? I mean, it must be very real in this world to just meet people with different kinds of, but you just imagine. What is your your demon? Oh, it's a wombat. Yeah. Oh, great. What oh, well, wombat's a great one. Oh, no, I, I love that too. But I mean, okay. So this is one of my things, and it, it works for the series. But like thinking about it practically, we're right. gonna take this seriously. Right, 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 right. Um. So in the movie, in the first twenty minutes that I watched, yeah. there is this moment where one of the evil guys has 
a snake like that's curling and i was like how does nobody know what you're up to you have a snake as your daemon like what is uh, and would you really want like your right. essence yeah. out there like people would have you marked right exactly. away yeah. like yeah if i saw somebody with a snake i'd be like yeah. oh no i'm not yeah. trusting a thing you tell me <laughs> is that guy evil well, i don't know his demon is a condor right so i'm gonna go yeah i'm, right. I'm gonna say yes yes he is like, right and i mean i guess there's something kind of like neutral about a lot so many of them that we see right, are right, like right. kind of cat right like it's things. whatever the cgi team could do quickly like right. no one's gonna do an octopus because it would take them too long <laughs> like how many cats did yeah, he but render how cool it would good be. yeah let's use all the cats yeah they all have like right. a bug or something so right. just be like on screen and go but there is something kind of neutral about like a lot of the birds mm-hmm. and cats mm-hmm. and stuff but one of the people in the movie who's also like kind of another one that's kind of like creepy yeah. has like this weird larva bug thing yeah, that's yeah. like sitting on his shoulder i yeah. was like no, you know that he's like a snake. Yep. He has to be. There's no other. He's not right. mall Santa every year. Like right. he, He's got. With the with that, like, yeah. Uh, oh. So weird. So weird. Well, all right. So which would you prefer to talk first, book or or show? Which did you watch? Did you watch first? Or did you no, read first? No, I, I read first. Okay. I watched first for some okay. reason, which I, I don't know why I did, but I'm kind of glad I did because it was kind of nice to, after all this time, come back to the book and sort of have that freshest in my head. In but the let's... spirit of full disclosure, I watched the first 10 minutes and I was like, no, I need to read this first. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I guess it's so ingrained yeah. in me to like book then movie, book yep. then movie. Yep. Um, so I did try to watch first. Yeah. I was like, no, yeah. I want more. I want more. Yeah. So let's, I let's ended up start, reading first. Let's start with the book. Let's okay. start with, with the, you know, the, the source material. So, okay. So the book begins with a John Milton quote. And again, I've tortured people on this podcast all about beginning quotes. I oftentimes feel like quotes are at the beginning of books are so useless. This one I actually thought was good. And it's, I mean, it's a poem from Paradise Lost. So already you get this little bit of like, okay, this is a big grand thing and there might be some sort of heaven and hell thing. But yeah, you know, it, his dark materials Mm. to create more worlds into the wild abyss, the wary fiend stood on the brink of hell and looked a while pondering his voyage. I thought like, okay, yeah, this actually does sort of set me up for, how this is going to feel and, and be written. And I don't know. That was like the first time I ever really thought like, Oh, this opening quote works for this movie. Great. Okay. I love opening quotes. Yeah. I think all authors should use them all the time. Yeah. I think it's awesome. I miss this one mm. because it's, if you look at my, we have different versions yeah. of the book here and it comes before the title page. Yeah. So it actually does. And before the too. table of contents. contents. Yeah. So yeah. I totally miss that, but I'm, so you're getting all of my reaction in real time here. <laughs> I love that he used a Milton quote. Yep, and and that That's he so good. And that he took the name of the series from a Milton yeah. from part of Paradise Lost. Oh, you sneaky, sneaky! <laughs> oh, that's amazing. rereading this really made me appreciate how much I feel Philip Pullman thinks about crafting a story yeah. and and layers to things. But but we'll we'll talk more about that in a sec. Yeah. So okay. the book opens with Lyra, our main character, and her Damon, which I'm going to say Damon. Sorry, everyone, okay. if that's not how you... I it, approve of this that, choice. Okay. Uh, and her Damon Pan. And they are sneaking into the retiring room at, at where we later find out is Jordan College. And again, this was one of those things as a kid that I was like, 
Jordan College, sure. And then later someone was like, oh, it's a parallel. I forget if it's Cambridge or Oxford or what. It must be Oxford because I was like, it's a parallel of this college. Uh, oh, okay, sure. Like it was just, I, it sort of went over yeah. my head that this was supposed to be a higher institution of British learning. I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. This is just a college that exists, whatever. But, well, it's not. That's interesting. I'm usually just like, whatever, it's in Britain. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's interesting because this is not, and I, th I think this, we get the sense of this pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. um, it's not our world. Yeah. It's very, very similar, but it's not. Yeah. I mean, not just because of the daemons, mm -hmm. but you get the sense that so, like maybe it's, side next yes. to yep. our world because um and there is i don't know when you find that out but that that's what he was going for yeah totally so lyra and her daemon are sneaking into the retiring room which they are certainly not allowed in and very interesting to me the the first character that has dialogue in this book is her daemon is pan mm, yeah. who says you're not taking this seriously and then her daemon's name was Pantalaemon? Is that how you would say that? That's the other thing. In my head, it was always Pantalaemon, but Pantalaemon, I'd like, I, it's one of those. Yeah, one that's those one names. for me that a lot of times I do this with names in yeah. books where I'm like, I don't know how to say that, so I'm going to go Pan. Blah, blah, blah. Right, yeah. And so every time you see the full name in the book, I'm just yeah. like, Pan. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Well, I always just thought of him as Pan, too. You know, exactly, exactly. Why, but yeah. So, so they're, they're sneaking into the retiring room here at the college, and one thing that definitely struck me was how different they are they're they're good it's a good foil of the character lyra is sort of impetuous and reckless and wants to get into trouble and Pan is sort of a wet blanket i mean mm. the first thing he says is you're not taking this seriously behave yourself he's so and, worried yeah so he's, cute. he's always so worried that she's gonna mess something up um so they're in the retiring room and as they're there they see the master of the college mm -hmm. uh getting some wine ready for who we learn is lyra's uncle asriel and Lyra sees the master poison this wine. Now, this wine, by the way, is Toke, which I had to look up. It is apparently a sweet Hungarian wine. Okay. So it is a, a real wine. And uh, your wine fact for the day on the, the podcast, apparently this wine is one of the varietals that is subject to something called noble rot, which is a Ooh. fungus that can appear on grapes. And if it's inoculated correctly or if it, it works out, it does not actually kill the grape crop, but instead dries it up, concentrates the sugars, and makes for a pretty sweet wine. Oh, so okay. So there's your, there's so your wine work. fact for, for the okay. day. Okay, your not wine fact, but what <laughs> I think of when I hear this um, is in one of the Zelda games, mm -hmm. there's a creature called the Tokes. Oh, which are those? Um, so it's in Oracle of Ages, mm. and they're like, I don't know, squat little things. Huh. I don't know, there's a meat game. Like, they, they live on an island, oh, and you, like... And so I didn't think that's about the you think of your yourself. fact is much more interesting than mine. But that's that's what comes to mind when I see that. I'm like, oh, yeah. The... Like, like the thing from Oracle of Ages. Right. Yeah. So There's an island that you like push rocks around. I don't know. It's huh. a whole thing. I played that game so long ago. I didn't even remember that those existed. Oh, Too you funny. have to look it up. They're wild. <laughs> so anyway, so Lyra sees the master poison the wine and, and she's she's nervous for her uncle and her uncle ends up coming into the room and she sort of gets stuck. She and Pan hide in the wardrobe and uh, he's just about to drink the toke and she cannot help herself. She says no. And immediately he grabs her out of the closet and she says, you know, the wine is poisoned. It's poisoned. And he says, how do you know? And she says, you know, I, I saw the master poison him or poison the wine. So 
right off the bat we get we get some character between her and her uncle and he is he's sort of a, a kind of a jerk oh yeah he's really not i mean he's like holding her arm very gruffly and you know you get the sense in this that lyra is she's sort of not liked by everyone she's she's she really does seem to get into a lot of trouble uh yeah. but but everybody sort of respects her for it in a weird way and and that's sort of the the sense that you get a lot uh from her uncle so her uncle you know he he tells her to hide in the wardrobe again and he's gathering a bunch of the the scholars from the college together to show them a presentation and so he says you know i'm going to put you up to spying can you keep an eye on the master and she says yes so she hides in the wardrobe. Uh, I believe he says something to her like, make a sound and you're on your own. I won't stick up for <laughs> right, you. Kind of yeah. thing. Like, you can do this, but whatever. And Lyra, of course, is just like, yeah, let's do it. And of course, Pan is like, no, don't do this. This is bad. This is a bad idea. But uh, he, he sort of, her uncle, Azriel, he sort of gets it in a way that the uh, when the, the one of the servants comes in, he pretends that the servant knocked the wine over and he avoids getting poisoned to death by sweet Hungarian noble rot wines. Uh, so the the scholars all gather together, and we're, we are treated to a presentation from Lord Azrael, where he he's been in the north, and and here is where we get these these instances too sometimes of like he does such a great job with world building where he will he will like give us a name of something, and then he will give us the name of something we recognize, but then also that we don't it's just it's very strange the big thing that comes to mind is i keep talking about sort of like tartars and it's enough that sometimes i'm like is this real are there actually tartars and scalings and but then you're not sure and and that's what i think is good world building is yeah. he goes to the north he sees the the aurora borealis he sees the northern lights which is something we recognize but then he also has this strange picture of a man and a child standing and in one picture they're just you know the picture of the two standing and in another picture there seems to be this column of light rising from the man not the child and we learn that this is dust which is a very hot topic among the scholars so lyra is in the wardrobe uh spying on all of this she can see sometimes the master who's sitting near her like whispers something to the librarian about you know how do you know about the wine we get a little bit of that uh and then there's this great part where asriel pulls out a man's head Oh, right. Yeah. And just, you know, as as one does right. in the middle of a presentation. Sort of got off the rails there. But and, and you know, at this point in time, we are, we are a couple pages into this. And I just thought this is such an interesting place to start this book. It is a very high stakes scene. We are we are sort of learning a lot about this. It's just intriguing. So I, 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 through these first pages, like what are the things that stick out to you? Okay, just because I can't turn it off in my brain, I and your listeners heard me talk about YA and yeah. and children's yeah. lit a bit before, but to me, and we'll get into this more I think with the show, mm -hmm. but this is dark. Yeah, like this yep. is dark, and we don't always give kids enough credit. And I think there was maybe a little bit both on my part and on publishing's part of like, is pet too dark for middle grade? Right. Is that why it's being sold as YA? Yeah. Based on this, this is a middle grade book. Yeah. Um, yeah. It no, no, almost nothing right. is too dark for right. <laughs> like. Kids love to be scared. They and they they either a lot of them are will say like no, this is too scary or this is whatever. Like, this is dark. Yeah. I mean, he pulls out a guy's head. Yeah. Um, and this isn't even as dark as the series gets. This is yeah. very, very much not. Yeah. Um, and. 
so that kind of sticks out to me and i think that that's really interesting when again when we'll get to it later mm-hmm. when thinking about adapting it for a primarily adult audience yes um that you really actually didn't have to change much of the tone yeah yeah um, and lyra is such a great character too yeah. i mean right off the bat because she's so sort of strong and and but you can there's like this sort of almost perverse that, that she is she wants she wants to see the head yes she wants to see what he's talking about yes. she's very intrigued by what her uncle is doing in the north at one point in time she sort of asks pan she's like is there going to be a war do you think and she sounds kind of excited right about it. all, yeah there's still a lot of adventure out there for her and for the scholars, we we sort of come to understand this is some serious stuff, and it could get them in trouble with this higher institution or whatnot. But for Lyra, it's still all very yeah. exciting and intriguing, and it feels he's done a great job of giving us something that feels you feel like a kid in a room of adults when you know you shouldn't yeah. be, yeah. But you still learn all this cool yeah. stuff, and and that's the sense you get from Lyra is that she's always where she shouldn't be, learning all the yeah. adult things, which is sort of the series (laughs) yeah for sure um and that's the other thing that sticks out to me about this these couple of chapters is the narration Mm -hmm. does a really good job of even as reading this as adults you feel like lyra yeah like you're getting all of this and the things that you don't understand she doesn't understand and you're like in it together so you feel like you're with her like what it what is dust i don't know but she doesn't know we're not supposed to because she doesn't know and just does a really good job of kind of balancing the information it's giving you it's really beautiful world building yeah i think one of the another instance of of i have this one written down of one of those things they they never call it a photograph it's always a photogram yeah that to me is a good instance of something that I don't know exactly what a photogram is, but I know what a photo like you can yeah. you can see it in your head. And so that's a great instance of world building to me of like, here is what they call it here. And yeah. this is what you were talking about with that, like this is like a side world. Like yeah. here they call it a photogram. Yeah, I exactly. Would call it a photograph. Yeah. Interesting. I wonder if it was our world with magic on top, they'd right. call it a photograph. Right. And this becomes important mm-hmm. later in mm-hmm. the series and later in the book. Yeah. Um but yeah, that's a perfect example of like if it was our world but with magic. Yeah. It would be a photograph, but since they're calling it a photogram, yeah. you, something's different. It's not really our world. Yeah, which is so well done. So on yeah. top of this picture of, of this man with this column of light, Lord Asriel also has a picture of the Northern Lights. And then again, exposed to this particular filter, a picture of the Northern Lights, but with a city in the sky made of light. And, and the, you know, they, they the scholars are very taken aback by this. They sort of reference someone else who was looking for this. And this is where we sort of get this little inkling of like, these these people were searching for another world. Yeah. And we can see it in the Northern Lights. And we come to find that Azriel wants money again for, for an expedition to keep pushing farther north than anybody has been. And he's really trying to get to this other yeah. this other world in the sky. Uh, I think this, the conversation, it goes well, it goes well, and then it kind of gets off the rails a little bit. Again, we, we are very much in this, like, if Lyra doesn't get it, we don't get it. And they start talking about I4 Rackneson, Rackneson? Yeah, I, I4 Rackneson and, and the Panzerbjorn and how this, this Panzerbjorn built a marble university and someone says for whom for the bears so you know i know rereading this oh they're talking about the iron bears and that but we do he starts kind of building these later things but you know rereading this too i was like okay what the hell are we talking about again now yeah where are we but um one thing i thought was funny was at at the bottom of page 26 and 27 
there's there's a Professor Trelawney, which oh, I think yes. is great. Yes. <laughs> I just had to write that down. It's like, oh, J.K. Rowling, did you read this too? J.K., was that you? Well, she could have uh, because no. I the first Harry Potter book came out the same year as The Subtle Knife, mm-hmm. I think. Yep. So she could have. I get the sense that Trelawney is... Just from yeah, these things, it sounds probably. to me like when you think of English, like professors at colleges, I bet Trelawney is sort of, yeah. kind of jokingly, you know, like, oh, okay, yes, of course, they're, they're a professor there. So, and the, the thing I thought was great about this is these people, they're, you know, they're, as I'm starting to feel like, man, this conversation is kind of going off the rails. Apparently Lyra does too, because she falls asleep she in falls the asleep. wardrobe. It's great. With, with Pan curled around her neck uh, in his favorite sleeping form as an ermine. So yeah. Pan is, he's a weasel. He likes to sleep as a weasel. Uh, the next scene, she's woken up by Lord Asriel and she says, you know, she's asking him, what's dust? Can I see the man's head? Yes. <laughs> which, to, to which he responds, don't be disgusting, which I thought was great. Yes. And he tells her, I'm going back to the north. And, you know, she says, please, can I come with you? And he says, nope, you have to stay here. So she's, she is very upset by it, but she does, you know, go off and run off and go to bed. And the last section we get in this first chapter is with the master and the librarian. And here is where I, I made a note to read this mm. sentence because the thing that caught me off guard rereading this was how much reading this book reminds me of reading a Charles Dickens novel okay. i i he must be a big fan of charles dickens to me just something about the way that he structures sentences and stuff and this in particular the master and the librarian were old friends and allies and it was their habit after a difficult episode to take a glass of brantwigen and console each other and even the last sentence in this this little section yeah. is great too they sat for a while longer and then parted for it was late and they were old and anxious like it's there's just something very the the way he structures those sentences reminded me of a Christmas Carol. Like okay. you could replace yeah. that with Scrooge and Marley were old friends and allies, and it was their habit after a difficult episode. Like it just it reminded me of that. So. Yeah. So we get this little conversation between the master and the librarian about how you know Asriel was kind of pushing the boundaries, and and the scholars voted to give him more money, and the master has some trepidation about Lyra getting involved yeah. in this, and and he makes this prediction that there will be a betrayal. And that she will be the betrayer and the experience will be terrible. Yeah. So we get this little glimpse uh, into the future. There's this little backstory on the church and, and you know, the magisterium in all of that as well. Uh, you know, and in my mind, I remember this being like, oh, there's such subtle references. But, you know, literally they just they mentioned the church in this. Like, I, yeah. I didn't remember them actually just saying they mentioned a pope. They mentioned church by name. But how do you feel about this chapter ending on on sort of out of Lyra's? I was gonna experience? say the the interesting thing about this is that now we have information that Lyra does not. Mm-hmm. So like we're starting to get familiar with the idea that like we're not gonna be on the same page as her through yeah. this whole thing. That we can start to watch for something. Yeah, and we we know something, and I like that. I mean, I like. Oh, it's something I do really like in books is like when I know something that the character doesn't yep. and just feeling like you have a little bit more, you're one yep. step ahead of them. Mm-hmm. You kind of know. So I, I like that. Yeah. Um, and I think that it, it's really smart to introduce the world through her perspective, mm-hmm. but then say, okay, like you're not going to get her perspective the right. whole time. You're, this is, a, a different perspective yeah. here. There's that piece of writing advice that, you know, I've been given in many different ways. The the structure of it that comes to mind to me is the Vonnegut way, which is pity the reader. Like, 
Like, yeah. Keep up with your reader. And, and that's what I think Philip Pullman does well here. Again, in, just in the sense of like the conversation starts to go a little farther. So he has yeah. Lyra fall asleep. And then just when we might start to feel like I'm confused about a lot of this stuff, he takes us out of Lyra's yeah. character and gives just straight up gives us some information right. to, to, to be mindful of and to watch out for. So here I think one of my writing teachers I think would say, love your reader. Just keep loving the reader. Give them like keep, make them feel safe and secure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they got a lot going on. Just, you know, keep them going. Does that make you feel safe and secure? Because like even though we have more information than Lyra, yeah. oh, what does it mean? Right. Like right, we right. have no right. idea uh, other than something horrible is coming. Yeah. Um, so like, I, I get what you're saying, but it's like, it doesn't quite, <laughs> we have a lot of information that we don't know what to do with right, at this point. Right. It certainly doesn't make me feel warm and fuzzy. It makes well, me yeah. feel old and anxious, but, uh, you know, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. it does make me feel like I'm keeping up. Okay. So, uh, the next chapter then is entitled Lyra's Jordan, which, uh, was the, I believe the title of the first episode it of is, the TV yeah. show, which, which I thought was interesting. And here we sort of get this little backtrack of like, you know, about Jordan college and about Lyra and how she sort of rules the roofs and everything. And now here this is, is where... this is loving the reader. This yeah. is, <laughs> here is the info. Now we will, now we will build up a little bit of the world. So yep. you have any idea what's happening. Yeah. And, and, but here is where I, I took a moment though, to reflect and think what a, what a smart call on philip pullman's part and i wonder if he wrote this first and then went back later but what a smart call on his part to start us in a scene yeah in a, in a place where there's a lot of action and a lot of stakes and that was a good way to start uh you know we, we get another like a little flashback to another conversation between her and her uncle yeah. and you know how he says you know don't <laughs> Don't they make you wash your hands at this place? And she's like, "Well, yeah, but you know, I must have gotten them dirty." Yeah. You know, we, we we get we get that instance there. Okay, but can I can we take a side note here? Yeah. Because the movie starts the way the book does. Everything right. that we just went through yeah. in super speed. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the show does not. No. And it starts I, the other way. It, it starts Lyra running around on the roof. Right. right? Yeah. And with her with Roger and yeah. um, not to not to jump way ahead here but i think that this was a really smart decision because mm. like literally the first episode takes these scenes and flips them mm. and i think that that world building and that like all of that works so much better in the show mm. that way mm -hmm. but it works better in the book this way yeah. like that was smart the movie yeah. got that wrong yeah because throwing you into a movie with no context yeah. and no sense of pl i think that i think it's place yeah like in a visual medium, at least I look more at place than I do in books, mm -hmm. and so to start with a sense of place in the show, yeah, is so smart to me. And then get into like Lyra's hijinks right. and hiding in the thing and in the closet and whatever. Huh. And it was just it stood stood out in such contrast to me watching like back to back and like yeah. reading and watching and watching. Yeah, I was like, ooh, the movie got this wrong. Yeah, because watching this, watching the movie. I, I would have been like, wait, what yeah. is, why, why do I care? Where are we? What, right. what is happening? Yeah. So, because a lot of, they hit a lot of the same notes, but I think it was just a smart yeah. media yeah. move or it's medium. A, it's move. an interesting thing because when you're watching something, unless somebody says the name of a character, you don't know who it is. Mm -hmm. Whereas when you're reading something, if you read Lyra and her Damon, you know the two people right. that you're following from, from right away. Whereas, yeah, if you don't have somebody say, Lyra, wait, come back, or something right. like that, and you're like, who the hell is this right. person? So. And, like, running through the rooftops the way they are yep. in the show, um, 
like it's a really natural place to be like Lyra what are you doing right, yeah, or, yeah. Roger down. keep yeah. up like, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. but it, like it doesn't it just doesn't play at all I think yeah. in the movie yeah. but anyway just, yeah. <laughs> just to, wanted to touch on that yeah so as we get to we, we finish this conversation we hear her talk about Roger her best friend who's, who's a, a boy who works in the kitchen and uh, here is the moment I, I always talk on the podcast about moments in books where we sort of get the like look ahead. So on page 39, we get so Lyra's life had been before the day when she decided to hide in the retiring room and first heard about dust. This is yeah. sort of the like that was the day it all changed kind of thing that, that we get there. So it's the hero's get, journey. Right. The so call, then, to, call to action. Or then we get this little sidetrack again out, out of Lyra and we, we start with uh, Tony Macarios. Here is another thing I mentioned earlier, but here here is where it is. His surname is Greek, but like his age, it's a guess. He looks more Chinese than Greek, and there's more Irish and Squailing and Lasker in him on his mother's side too. Like, okay, I know I know three of those things. I don't know two of those things. And so that's, yeah. that's those those little moments of world building that Jess and I sort of keep touching on. Uh, and this is just literally a scene where Tony Macarios gets kidnapped. He's a, he's he's running around. He steals a, a pie, and then he bumps into this strange woman with a golden monkey as her daemon. Let's put let's note that yes. listeners out there note that because we're gonna come back to that. <laughs> yes. So the the lady, you know the the daemon picks up his daemon and and she says I have some. Again, she has not chocolate but chocolatel. She has C H O C O L A T L. She has some chocolatel, and Tony, you know, who's just he's a poor kid. His mom's a drunk. You know, he's he's really kind of living day to day, scrap to scrap of food. Goes with her, and he's not the only kid in this big room. And and you know, the the woman is described as being very kind. You know, the monkey is going around petting everyone's daemon and, and, you know, they're able to write a note to their parents if, you know, they're, they're, they're asked to go with this woman on a trip. And, and the, a lot of the kids are sort of street urchins or, you know, kids without a lot of family. And they all say, yeah, sure. You know, you know, she says, do you, we want your help. You don't mind helping us. And they all, they are all shy. It says uh, they've never seen a lady like this. She was so gracious and sweet and kind. They hardly felt they hardly deserved their good luck. And so they all decide to go with them. And I think there's a great moment where they're all, you know, a lot of kids are lining up. They're writing these letters and uh, they all get on this airship and, and it launches. And then the woman turns to go back inside the golden monkey nestled and she throws a bundle of letters into the fire. So here yeah. is our first instance of what we come to learn are our, something called the gobblers which pullman then sort of reframes in in lyra's world again as like a game that she plays and all the different kids and stuff that she knows she plays with the street kids she plays with the college kids she plays with the, the gypsy kids and i'm sorry they're not gypsies they gypsy. are gyptian right they're uh, what, what looks like a combination of gypsy and egyptian uh gypsy. word wise so so that is kind of an interesting thing of like Oh, you know, he gives us this scene where an important plot thing happens and then sort of spins it to be part of Lyra's world again, yeah. which is pretty cool. The monkey is nice in this, but still slightly unsettling. We get this great scene of then Lyra and Roger running around and sort of exploring. Uh, there's a good one where um, they they find the wine in the cellar and they, they drink the wine, to which Roger says, Do you like doing this? gasped Roger after vomiting. Yes, says Lyra, though she, she doesn't really. Uh, and then actually one thing that really stood out to me is they find the coffins of the, the past masters here. And on each coffin, there's a little brass plaque with the picture of an animal. And they come to learn this is what their daemons are. 
But one of the demons that one of these guys has is a basilisk. Yeah, that guy was evil. One is a basilisk. Definitely one is a serpent. Evil. One is a monkey. Would How? you trust anybody with a basilisk? Yeah, like, what? back to what we were saying before. What? No way! How do you have a basilisk? Like, can I change mine to Minotaur? Like, is can it, can it be anything? Yes. Can I have, have like, a Minotaur. What, what the hell can I have the Loch Ness Monster as my Damon, please? Like, yeah. That, that stood out to me. But like, wait a minute. What can Damon's be? There's there's so much intrigue to this. Now Ooh, a part. dragon. I want a dragon. There you go. And actually, even in the scene before, when they get when they're drinking, it seems to affect when when Roger and Lyra are drinking the wine. It seems to affect Pan and yes. Roger's Damon. And actually, it says they were changing their shape to look like gargoyles. So could you have a gargoyle? Oh. Like, but then does it just sit around and you can't go right. anywhere? Is it just like, made of stone? stone? Right. Yeah. yeah. That's boring. <laughs> it's so weird. So again, so many so many layers to this. But um, oh, and then a little more world building too. Lyra, they find some skulls on these shelves, and Lyra again. They find sort of a coin with a picture of an animal. So here are the the, the heads of some dead scholars from the college in in the uh, ah crap what's the name not the mausoleum um, catacombs. This yeah. must be some catacombs, yeah. right? And Lyra does this thing where she she starts basically she switching. She switches these demons around, and then did you catch what happens when she switches the? Yeah, demons she gets around? haunted. Yeah, like again, this is dark. <laughs> But also, and here we go, a little more. In bed in her narrow room, she was visited by a night ghast. Yeah. And and as I'm reading this, I'm like, oh, sure. What? Yeah. <laughs> you could be visited by a night ghast. And then she has to ghast. go and apologize yep. to the skulls because she's being haunted. Yep. Like, oh, she, oh, I love it. I love she's it. She's so precocious. But also yes. the fact that she's not, I mean, she's creeped out by this, but not face. This isn't a, this, this isn't an event. This isn't a whole chapter where a ghost comes. It really is. This ghost comes and haunts her and she goes back down. She's like, sorry. The next morning she sorry. rushes down yep. and yeah. She switches My all bad, back. Didn't mean to. And there we go. There are just, there are night ghasts. There are these things. So much in this world is so strange, but but so satisfying to learn about. Yeah. So so as she's getting into trouble and, and exploring around, there is this scene where um, one of the college, I believe he's the interceptor, is, is intercessor. what he is. Intercessor. There you go. Uh, and he seems to just sort of be a, a priest. They keep calling him father. Uh, and he, you know, he's asking Lyra about herself, to which she responds to every question is no. But here's the first sort of instance we get of almost like a class difference. He says something to her about her being of noble birth and, and sort of frowns upon her fraternizing with Roger, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, she she just keeps saying no to all these questions he asks. And finally he says, do you say your prayers? Yes. Good girl. Run along. So she runs off. And at least for me, these first 50 pages end on, then almost when she'd lost interest in them, the gobblers appeared in Oxford. And and that is where, for me, these, these first 50 pages leave off. We've talked okay. about a whole lot of moments that stand yeah. out, but... I just want to skip, because I think that this is really, really important for yeah. the first episode yeah. when we get to it. Um, I That's about where 50 pages ends for me, but because I wanted to end right. in a chapter, <laughs> I read to the end of chapter three. Yeah. And there's this moment where she meets Mrs. Coulter. Yes. Um, and the last line of my, it's page 59 for mm. me. Um, she's being introduced to her and you get this line. She was beautiful and young. Her sleek black hair framed her cheeks and her daemon was a golden monkey. And like that is intentional and that is important. Yep. And you, uh, like we as readers are supposed to pick up because again, Lyra doesn't know that the woman's daemon or the, who who kidnapped these kids right. was a monkey. She yeah. knows about the gobblers. 
but she doesn't know that 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 is that that's a point of connection yeah and pullman has chosen in this moment to tell us to reference that twice yeah we are supposed to liver does not know but we are supposed to know that yeah and i think that that's really important to know yeah there's so much in these pages of who can you trust who is yeah. good you know the master doesn't seem like such an evil person right. but he does try to poison someone we come to learn miss Coulter, who's being introduced to lyra as you know, somebody that's sort of almost going to care, you know, somebody she should yeah. care about, but not as sort of a shadowy villain, but right. then we know that they're, they're a villain. So there's a right. lot of, of mistress, even Asriel, who is the closest thing she has to family, is such a jerk to her. Right. And, and... He threatens to break her arm, right. but she clearly loves him and wants to yeah. travel north with him. Like, yeah. so there's a lot of uncertainty. And I think also in all of that uncertainty, the fact that we're told that the woman kidnapping these people or these kids yeah. And Mrs. Coulter have the same Damon. Yep. I don't think like that's so yep. important yep. in that moment. I I find just as somebody who likes this genre and somebody you know as a writer, this is the kind of stuff that I prefer to write to. It's so difficult to figure out what information to parse out to your reader. Right. That that isn't too much. That won't confuse them. But that those those little bits of like oh shoot I gotta watch out for this oh no like. That is so difficult to do with skill. And I don't know if he pulls this off in going back and editing it or if he's just right. naturally. But really good stuff in those first 50 pages there. It took me back. And, and again, the, the tone of this is sort of very it's sort of very settled. The stakes are high, but there's a lot of very settledness to it of like, yeah. and then this happened and this is the way this was. And, and I like that about something like that just little that little bit about, oh, she switched the things around and then a ghost came and haunted her and she fixed it. It's yeah. just very... Just a casual drop of like, oh, okay, yeah, cool. Which then brings me to to the TV show. Yeah. So his Dark Materials, uh, episode one, there was an opening crawl in this, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. It's like title thing. Did you like that? Did you not like that? I I don't know. I, I think that that's necessary to give us some context and some, some information yeah. that also wouldn't, yeah, I think that that set the stage in a way. I don't love it as a device. Like yeah. it, it's it feels a little lazy to me. Yeah. But I think that some of the stuff that happened wouldn't have made sense without it. So yeah. I get it. Yeah. You know. And then very striking is this first scene where everything is flooded, and we see Lord Asriel running with a baby. I didn't know why I didn't have a boat, but he's running in waist yeah. deep water holding a baby. And he, he goes to the college and, and invokes, oh, I should have written this down, scholarly protection. Sanctuary. Sanctuary, the sanctuary. And the flood, side note, the flood is apparently a detail from the Book of Dust. Yes, which is his current current thing. That was where, was that the first in this That was the first in this right. new trilogy or new series or no. whatever. Um, which I just found that when I was doing some research yeah. online and I thought that that was really interesting that there's mm -hmm. the, cause the book of dust takes place before golden compass right. and, but it's a, the, whatever the flood is, is a detail that you get in that. And yeah. I think that that's like a, a nice little bit of fan service, yeah. right? Like yeah. if you're a big fan, yeah. now you have some information that it, I don't know. I didn't feel like I was missing something when I right. found that out after the fact, right. but if you know, you know, right. Well, at least it's, you see, you literally see that character. Yeah. You see Lori Asriel in the next scene. You come to learn that the baby is Lyra. So it doesn't feel too sort of out of place. Right. You're not like, wait, what was that? Who were those people? The right. master. He gives it to the master and, and she's literally in the next scene there. So so the, then the, the 
the show starts with Lyra and Roger chasing each other down into this crypt, and and you know Roger is all freaked out by the uh, the skeletons down there and stuff. I thought it was interesting to open with a first conversation in the crypt, but we do get some nice sort of them running through the college and then they end up down there. I you thought see that their was Damon's interesting. changing, yes. which I think yep. is a good way to illustrate that in a way, like a show, not tell way, right. where in the book, you, you know, we're kind of told yeah. Damon's don't settle until, you know, puberty or whatever. And in, I thought it was a really good way to have them running together yeah. and their Damon's changing is yeah. nice. And then we get a scene of Lord Asriel atop this snowy mountain with his snow leopard Damon, which is which is pretty cool. And then he ends up going back to the base uh, where he's at. With, and he's got these photos and we don't know exactly what it is. And then he also is asking for something to pack into the, the cooler or whatever, which we then you know come to learn is this explorer's head. And then we get the title sequence there, the, the his Dark Materials thing, which almost reminded me of, of the Crown's title sequence in a way. It's just, I feel like it was like sort of a rotating compassy thing, right? I don't remember, but I thought it was interesting that we got the opening crawl and then also the title sequence, yeah. which I think is something that sort of went away for a little while in TV shows. And I never really watched Game of Thrones, but I know the theme yeah. song for it. And I feel like that has sort of brought yeah. back a love for like a good theme song and a good opening yeah. title thing. You know, It reminded there. me actually of the Good Omens one a little bit where oh, it's like right. abstract and yeah. like drawn, yeah. but like not quite, it's not, not like the ones that you'd get in like, 2000s tv shows yeah. that was like here are the actors yep, and whatever yep. you know it yep. was it's kind of this artsy thing yeah yeah well, speaking of actors what did you think of of the actors in this did you like the lyra i don't know yeah. i am reserving judgment on her <laughs> okay um she's fine yeah. i guess there were some things i thought that she did really well and then some things i thought i mean they're, they're child actress so you can't be too hard on them but she is sort right. of the main you know the thing that it all goes through there were some times where it felt like she really did a great job and other times where i was like eh, maybe she'll get a little better as it goes yeah. along kind of thing and what did you think of james is james mcavoy or mcavoy because no it's spelled mcavoy what did you yeah. think of him as lord Adsworth? i think he is great yeah and i thought mrs coulter was amazing yeah i i will watch <laughs> just for her she's great she i looked her up to actually i was not familiar with with no. anything else that she had done which to me was so interesting because nicole kidman was played that part in the movie and like also excellent that that is the biggest name in that yeah. movie to me is is nicole kidman like out of the whole cast that she's the well, one i mean james like, bond is in it too yeah but that was before he was james bond. right you know i'm watching because so, i only yeah. watched it for the first time to like i watched yep. the first 20 minutes today and that's all i've seen so yep. they're pretty equal yep. now but nicole kidman yeah, she is great. I will yeah. take either of the Mrs. Coulters. Thank you very much. <laughs> the one who stole the show for me in the TV show was the Roger. I thought that kid was great. I thought he was fun. Her, you know, her little friend there. I thought that he was. Yeah, great. he was okay. So, and to <laughs> to circle back to Lyra, some of it, I'm not sure if it's her or if it's the writing yeah, at this yeah, point yeah. because because what sticks out to me about Roger is that awful. I'm sorry, it was an awful moment <laughs> where Lord Azrael is in the the was this when he's in the ship the the airship, the airship. Yeah, yeah yeah right right so he's in the airship and it's taking off and roger yells she's special and he goes 
everybody's special. I'm like, what? What? Did we accidentally jump to an after-school special? Like, what What does this have to do with anything? And But I don't think it was that kid's fault. No, no, like, that no, wasn't yeah. bad acting. That was yeah. bad writing. Yeah. That should have been edited yeah. out. Come on. Yeah. So, and, and, like, there are some moments with Lyra where I'm not sure if it's her. Right. If it's, if it's the actor or if it's the writing yeah. that I think was just a little clunky in yeah. some spots. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as we get back after the title crawl, we get to Lyra in lessons with yeah. uh, with the librarian. Oh, this she, scene was great. She she asks him to, to grab a book. She's in this tiny room. She asks him to, to recite something for her, and he goes to grab a book, and she runs out of the room. So the librarian runs out after her, and then she closes the door from inside the room and locks him out. She hasn't actually run out. Yep. She's hidden behind the door, yep. and then locks him out, yep. and then climbs under the roof. I was like, you are, you are yep. great. And so I this approved. is where we, we watch Lyra then sneak into the retiring room. Yes. So this is where we see the master poisoning uh, uh, the wine, and then her uncle comes in. She saves him. Uh, again, we get that that very violently. You know, he grabs her. He's like, "I'm going to break your arm." Which, woof, reading that is one thing. Yeah. I mean, reading that, I kind of glossed over. I was like, "Oh, okay." And watching that was yeah. so violent. She was I was in like, pain. "Really?" And and he like yells, "I'll yeah. break your arm first. I'm yeah. Like, wow, wow. <laughs> we do sort of get a moment of like, yeah, like why do you, why why do we care about this guy? Right. He should have drank the poison. What the hell? So then we get that that scene of you know he he asks her to spy and and he presents on the dust. It was cool seeing these pictures. This is where sometimes I like things in the show of like seeing the northern yeah. lights in picture and seeing the city that in the was sky so well done. was really cool. Now I will say that I this is one scene that the energy read really differently to me. Yeah, because like she falls asleep in the book. Yeah. There's no way she's falling asleep. Yeah. In in this scene, he's he has them riled up. He has yep. like he is. We need this money. We need this. We we need to figure this out. Yeah. Uh, like he's high energy and very confrontational in this scene. Yeah. Whereas in the book, you get the sense that it gets kind of academic and boring. Yeah. Yeah. This scene was very fast. I actually liked the pace of it. I liked that. Yeah. You know, if we're gonna get into this and get. And I liked his acting in this because it was, yeah, you're right, it was very energetic and very, you know, there was just a lot happening. And, and I, I liked that part of the scene. So we, we get that and then we go to this this ceremony where, well, and I guess one thing I should say is I, I thought, you know, if you're, you're a TV show, you're an HBO show, I, I wanted to see more daemons. Like, I felt like often when the daemons would speak, they weren't. You know, if a character speaks, sometimes you focus in on their face, yeah. right? The camera goes to Lyra when she says a line. That rarely happened. It happened more towards the later part of the episode, but oftentimes it would be like Lyra running and a little child voice would be like, Lyra, slow down or something, yeah. and it's Pan. But we don't know that it's Pan speaking. Yeah. And I felt like for the first little bit, we kind of glossed over demons and, and how they had these. And Pan really is the one that speaks the most in in the first bit. Like yeah. Lord Asriel's demon in the book doesn't really ever say anything, right. even, even though they can talk. So, but when they did talk, I was often like, just show me who's talking and show me that it's the daemon talking so that we understand like, oh, okay, these creatures have some yeah. agency and, and have a voice. But on that, then we go to this daemon settling ceremony yeah. in, in the Egyptian world. Now, so just to touch on this daemon thing yeah. a little bit, I, I'm a little biased here because I had talked to some of my friends who had watched it yeah. and who maybe hadn't read the book or, mm -hmm. you know. And they said that they found it very confusing mm -hmm. 
is it just nobles that get daemons? Mm-hmm. Is it, do you have to be special? Is this like a Harry Potter situation yeah. where like there's a divide? Right. Because, and I understand that the CGI costs mm-hmm. of giving everybody a daemon that you can see all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, the other question was, do can they disappear? Are they always corporeal right. Right. or do they, you know, choose to take a form and sometimes they're in your head, yeah. like more like a Patronus. Right, right, right. Um, and I think that that bit of world building, you need the context of the books. And that that's a real shame because yeah. they're so prevalent in the books and yeah. it's so clear what they are. And I think that that makes it a little inaccessible for people who haven't read the books and kind of know what they're getting into. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's one of those effects that I know can't practically be done often, but I often really wish it right. would be. There was a scene, I think, with the airship where Pan became a dog, and I think there was, like, a three-second part where it was a real dog, and then it wasn't. Yeah. It was like, I know that it's a dog, but it's a dog. Like, put an animal in there that you can train a little bit or have a trainer and yeah. have it be a practical effect. Yeah. Like, have it, have it work with something. It was – my problem with that end in the movie is that oftentimes – they turn into a bird or a moth or something very tiny, and right. very easy to animate. And, and then again, this little voice from nowhere kind of comes in. Right. You're like, wait, are they actually on screen? Am I missing? Where are they? Right. And there's a lot of movement. So yeah. you're like, what's happening? You know, they don't seem to be very prevalent. But then we get this scene of the Egyptian community and, and a boy who's Damon. We, we do get this information that his Damon has settled. That is it. It has turned into a hawk. Yes. That is the, the final trend. It's sort of when, when a child becomes an adult. Their daemons stop shifting and they pick a form and yeah. we get this scene. Yeah. And the other thing that I really liked about this scene is it's it's something that I think is a little glossed over in the books. And I don't I don't have a great memory of the rest of them. But like this Egyptian thing really walks a line, yeah. right? Where, I mean, you even said kind of gypsy. Like that's right. not something we do today. It's not a term we use anymore. Right, right, right. And it's like this weird, I don't think it's meant to be culturally insensitive, but there's this sense that it, it's like walking the line a bit. Yeah. Now, I think the the show does a really good job of making it clear. Like, it's a very multicultural cast, yep. a very inclusive, a, a pretty inclusive cast of yep. the Egyptians. Yep. They're kind of, like, it's clear that they're not really based on a historical group, that they're this kind of, like wandering group of people trying to and like i think that that was handled really really well for something and the movie from what i saw of the movie does not no they are they're just straight up like gypsy stereotypes right and that is that's not great again the movie was made in 2007 you know whatever right but i i just thought that that was so smart and so like carefully done i was Mm. really impressed by that yeah it feels like a found family almost. Yeah. It feels like a community where anybody can join. It doesn't matter what. And and the the boy who or the man, the yeah. the, the, the guy who's whose Damon had settled, we see his brother Billy. I think his name is I can't remember his name now. Is it Tony Costa? But his brother is Billy yeah. Costa. And they look very different. They yeah. don't look like they have and you know, his right. mom looks very different. So again, it just feels like very much like this is a found family. Yeah. And whether you know we don't need too much more information, and I I, I agree with you. I liked that part of it. I liked it the way very they far looked. away from stereotypes. Exactly. So it, like it yeah, was a big was diverse well group of people. Yeah. And I liked that, and and we see Billy Costa sort of get lured by a man, and he's snatched. He's gobbled. I think yeah. I wrote in my notes, Billy's gobbled. 
So, yeah. uh, and here is where, though, I was like, where's our creepy golden monkey? I want our monkey. Well, and, and like, that's a choice. It's yep. a, like a wolf thing or a dog. Uh, it's a very interesting fox. Fox, fox thing, I right. Believe. Yeah. Like, it's something, but it, it is not a monkey. No. It ha- does have golden eyes. Yes. But, like, that is, and then later, well, I mean, we'll get there, but, like, I think that that, and I don't really understand that choice. I guess yeah. maybe building suspense or like not yeah. wanting to give too much away to the audience in this medium. I I'm not entirely sure, but I I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. I'd have to watch more, I guess. The scene in the book is just so striking with this this kindness that this woman shows. Right. And, and well, this is the... painted as sinister from the beginning right. where you're like you right. see that Damon and you're like do not go near. Like why yeah. it, it went and snatches and it's done the same way in the movie too where it's like very clearly an evil thing that's happening yeah. and not like a lord being lured in with kindness. Yep. There was something in the book I'm, I'm trying to find. Oh, the, the, the legend of the gobbler sort of grows and it's either a beautiful lady, a tall man with red eyes, a youth who laughed and sang his victim. So there, there is, I think it does kind of play on the second thing, the man who's tall yeah. with red eyes and this weird looking thing. But I don't, I don't like that choice as much yeah there but we do see that come again later you know we, clearly this is this sinister force uh we then scoop back to to asriel getting lyra she has fallen asleep and you know he retrieves her carries her upstairs they talk about dust and you know she says i want to go north and he says no 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 then we get that little scene with the master and the librarian yeah. and they're discussing the the attempted murder there and he does have that it's cool to see the golden compass the alethiometer is as they call it and you know he talks about uh how there will be a great betrayal there uh then we get this very big scene in the book it's just you know her uncle literally says i'm leaving tomorrow and he leaves in the show we get this big scene where lyra and and roger are hanging out and roger's like oh by the way your uncle's leaving in an airship and she freaks out and she runs and this is the scene that jess was mentioning earlier where you know he goes and she's like please take me with you and yeah, I didn't. I don't know. I didn't really love the the pace of that. I mean, no. I guess. And again, I I read the I, I watched this before I read the book, and in my head, I was like, how long did she think he was staying? He presented this thing. She even asks him, "Did they give you more money?" And he says, "Yes." And he says, "I'm going north." Like, yeah. I, I guess I I don't know why she thought he would stay that much longer. And yeah, you can tell she really wants to go, but we kind of already knew that, so I don't need this big scene where they're screaming at each other as the ship is taking off. And yeah, I did and think it, that was kind of funny. It paints her as kind of as so I don't know childish and desperate yeah. in a way that I I don't know I just didn't love I I no I hated this whole right. scene. It was, I hated this. It was such a big scene that I wrote in my notes. I wish we'd had more of a scene previous. Like I wish they'd set up more of a connection or they'd had more of right. a talk about something so that when he leaves. Because they sort of want to paint it as that she's really sad that he's leaving. But in the right, book, like it's, you don't love me enough to stay. Right. In the book, it's kind of painted as I, w- I just wanted to go north. Like, right. can't you take me on an adventure? I'm bored here. Right. She like, doesn't really care about him. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, just, I didn't I love that hate, scene. No, yeah. I hated that scene. But, uh, but, yeah, so then we get the Egyptians and, and, you know, they're searching for Billy. Everybody's out looking. And we get sort of these elder Egyptians who are, are there and they say, you know, it's the gobblers. It's the gobblers. And the, I know Billy just ran off somewhere, but no, they're they're very convinced. 
Lyra and Roger then, they talk about going north. Then we get this weird fast scene with the magisterium and this priest and this, yeah. and it's starting to fly through. But it's kind of introducing us to lots of little bits of yeah. this world where, where we can visually see, you know, where in the book you can mention the magisterium and the church. In the show, why not actually show us what that looks yeah. like? This very big, large, grand hall, and this priest is talking to this man. You can kind of see they have a lot of influence in this world. So I did like that. I liked being able to see that stuff. And then Jess's favorite scene, where Miss Coulter comes I in. This <laughs> was my favorite scene. So it's, okay, so she is, the, all the scholars are there. I'm going to paint this picture for you because I loved yes. it so much. All these scholars are at these long tables, and they're, like, praying kind of over their yep. meal. You know, the, it's clear that they're going to sit down. Lyra's kind of looking around a little bit. And they, I don't know. There are words being said. Yep. And all the while, Mrs. Coulter is walking in this like blue power suit yep. like strutting her way what a power move like <laughs> just strutting her way through and yep. then she goes and she sits down and like you can tell she is in control yep. she knows what she wants it is amazing i downloaded a gif of it nice. it's, I, it's <laughs> awesome she's so good yep. and like she's got this smirk on her face and then yep. she sits down and she totally and completely like makes lyra fall in love yep. And just like sits down and is, oh well, you know, yeah. I I'm an oh well, Lyra starts by asking, are you a female scholar? Yeah. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I, but she's an adventurer, yeah. and Lyra like she's sold. Yeah. She is ready to. And oh, quite frankly, I don't blame her. I yeah. would die for this woman, and she's been on screen <laughs> for thirty seconds. I'm here for it. Yeah. All the more reason to me why I wish they'd had more of a connection between her and her uncle which then makes her uncle leaving sort of this void and yeah. this culture taking it because I mean, yeah. that actress plays it. So well. I have in my notes that she charms Lyra and that's it. She, she oh, charms, she her. charms like, her. It, Lyra really does. You can see she looks up to her. She's totally enamored with her. And, Again, I think in the book, part of that might come from when, when that scene comes, will probably come from Lyra having a strong female figure in her life out of all these you yeah. know, stuffy old guys. But this sense of adventure that she brings is probably really and cool. And the sense but... of you can do it too. Yeah. And I'm going to I'm gonna bring you yeah. with me. And that's like... the big difference between her uncle and Miss Coulter. Miss right. Coulter says, of course I'll bring right. you with me. Of course, you know. And, and she even kind of leaves it up to Lyra. I hope you'll come. You right. Know? Like, she's like, please right. come. Yeah. And, you know, Lyra's very concerned about Roger. She tells Miss Coulter, I want Roger to come too. Yeah. And she says, all right, you know, we'll make sure that happens. I'll make sure Roger comes. And, you know, it's like, uh, okay, I, I'm kind of on the fence about it. Uh, and you meet the golden monkey. Yes. Which, like, I, I mean, I guess maybe the the thought of not introducing the audience to the golden monkey, even if we didn't see her, but the right. golden monkey at, with at, in the context of the gobblers, is so that, like, we're charmed by her. Yeah you know yeah. when she charms lyra i'm like okay yep. yeah me too yeah and in the book it, it is much more sinister yeah. because we know that this is a woman who is probably involved in hurting these children yeah. i don't know if that's the game they were playing but like yeah. either way i love it yeah. like i i would have loved to see to have that sinister information in the tv show too yeah. and be like no, Lyra, don't. Don't yeah. be charmed by yeah. her. Because, like, who hasn't been charmed by somebody? We shouldn't be, right? right? right, right. And, like, right. this is bad, but we're going to yeah. anyway. Yeah. Whereas if you're just taking the show on its own, like, yes, she's charming. She's yeah. great. Yeah. 
the the uh, monkey is so much more tame in this than in the movie yeah. too, which I liked. Like in the movie, it was just like always like screeching in someone's face and yeah. like scratching somebody. And I think there's a scene where like he freaks out and and Miss Coulter in the movie like smacks her, and it's just like yeah. holy shit, we're off the rails yeah. with this thing. But in this, it's like very just watching things yeah. a lot of the time, which I like. I also this is just such a silly aesthetic thing, but I remember in the movie Nicole Kidman she had that. She had like a gold suit, right? And I remember that. Yes. I remember the gold dress as well. <laughs> it's great. She is blonde in the movie as well, yeah. right? And the monkey is gold and black. I liked sort of the contrast yeah. color wise of, of Miss Coulter being a brunette and that blue suit compared to. And I think the monkey has sort of like a blue mark on its yeah. nose or something. But just visually, I liked that contrast a little bit yeah. more. We do get this, you know, as soon as she says. Roger will come with us. The next scene, Roger gets gobbled. He finds yes. that weird fox thing, and then we see him. And we then get the librarian and the master visiting with Lyra, and they give her the alethiometer, which is the you know the golden compass, and sort of gives her the same speech of uh, in in the book of you know it tells the truth. It no, always, but we didn't. Get, oh, we didn't I get just to wanted to say. Right. So this is this were officially passed, which right. I think it's great to just note real quickly yeah. here that like we are almost the whole first episode in there's yeah. what maybe 10 minutes left there's yeah. this there are like two or three scenes but we're about 50 pages in yeah which is uh, this is why i think that books novels need to be miniseries yeah. because this pacing makes sense to me yeah. that we're like about at the same point yeah you know that being said i did keep this was one of those those shows where like every scene i was like oh they're gonna end it here and then the scene would go on and yeah. be like okay they're gonna end it Okay, the next day, okay, they're gonna, like when Roger yeah. got gobbled, I was like, okay, we're probably going to end here. Nope. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. then well, it is longer than a network TV. Yeah, it's an like, hour. Because it's a full minutes, hour right? instead yeah. of the 43 minutes yeah. or whatever. Yeah. But I do think, I just wanted to note that, like, we're yeah. past the 50 page mark just a little bit, but we are, this is, we have not read this. Yeah. Theoretically. Yeah. So Lyra is searching for Roger, searching for her, and then we get this scene of, of yeah, the West King of the Egyptians. Telling Ma Costa, we are moving out. We're going to find Billy. The the gobblers keep taking our kids. We are going to London right. to find this That's where boy. they're taking them. So then we get Miss Coulter coming to collect Lyra. She's really, really upset about Roger. She doesn't know where he is. She says, you know, we'll find him in London. I know that she she, she says the gobblers are taking them. There's, this, there's rumors, but they're in London. We can find her. And Lyra ends up finally making yeah. the airship. She, she yes. runs on. She scoots on. And... Uh, she before that she tries the golden compass she just starts yelling at it like it's like it's serious she's like where's yeah. roger and the compass doesn't do anything yeah. which i thought was funny it's nice in a, in a thing like this in a hero's journey when they get the item for them to just totally not know how to use it especially for a, a child it's yeah. just kind of funny but i also just like she was just like tell me where roger well, is well and i mean i i mean i get what you, i the scene was funny it yeah. made sense but Oh, with the the librarian, oh, like yeah. being just being like, you have to figure out. It will tell right. you the truth. Right. You have to figure it out. Can you be a little more cryptic, please? Yeah, I'm not entirely sure yep. what we're talking about, but like, I'm glad that we all have no yep. idea. Yeah, like, no wonder she has no idea. Yeah, they do play that that the like librarian master part very very vague sometimes of like. Yeah. I can't tell you what's happening, but right. I can tell you it will all go through you. Like, right. Like <laughs> by I, the end of I the week, that. everything will be yeah. on your shoulders. Why? Well, I can't tell you that. Right. <laughs> like, oh, I'm not okay. gonna. And this is what this is kind of the basis we get for characters like Dumbledore, right? right? right. Who are just like, oh, well, yes, you are the child, and I have yeah. all the answers, but I'm not going to tell oh, them tell to you. you. It's yeah. like, no. Can we communicate a little bit? Yeah. A yeah. little bit of communication yep. would be nice. Yep. 
Take like, this sword. It's dangerous to go alone. Well, can you tell me how to use the sword? No, no? right. Okay, no. never mind. The power is within you. <laughs> yeah. Well, what is it? Well, you will discover it on the journey. It's, like, no. Yeah, it's the ultimate click your heels three times to yes. go home thing. Like, oh, you could have told me that from the beginning. Right, yeah. yeah. So. so, I mean, I found that. And there's also a, a part of that scene where, like, they tell her that it's very important to have to keep it secret. Yes. And she goes, I don't want secrets. And I was like, oh, that is bad writing. Yeah. That, oh, yeah. We, I, again, I. She tries to give it back. She tries to give yeah. it back. And I'm She's like, there, like keep it secret. Sense. She's like, oh, no, no, thank you. Right. Like, that didn't really feel in her character. No. That... I appreciate that that kind of happened, but it, I felt that would have made it more enticing to the Lyra that I know. Yeah, exactly. Head. She would have been like, yes, great. Yeah. I, yeah. I would love to have a secret. Yeah. And a, a magic thing that's going to tell me all the answers. Yeah. Like, yeah. And and on that note, in the very last scene yeah. we get on the airship, she kind of takes it out, sidelong, looks at it, puts it back in her pocket, and we see the monkey watching her yeah. do that. And it's very intrigued. Yeah. Creepy monkey. <laughs> I don't think I'd be so creeped out by that monkey if it weren't for the movie. Like, I just, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Through here. I have in my notes, what do you think of Coulter? And I didn't even need to ask Jess that oh, question. No. That was like the first thing I said. <laughs> she She's so great. Um, but yeah, so all right, so we're at the end of this. Okay. What is your Ooh, what is your what overall jerk. feeling about the the show here? Anything we missed? Any like scenes we didn't touch on or anything? No, I mean that's. I think we did a pretty good job of covering mm -hmm. the the high points, mm -hmm. the the interesting points. Yeah, like I said, I'm confused about why why the show doesn't want us to know mm -hmm. that Coulter is evil. Mm -hmm. Or potentially evil or involved yeah. somehow, because um, I think that that makes it richer in the book. Yeah, I think the swapping of the scenes at the beginning was really smart. Yeah, um, there's something I want to say yeah. about that culture thing too. Is yeah. I, I, you know, you and I know because we hit that point in the book too that that's sort of a twist that maybe somebody who hasn't yeah. read this before might come to find. I know from reading these books that there's a bigger twist when it comes to culture. Right. And I, I won't say what it is. But, like, that to me makes that twist feel much more... Like, when we know that she's sort of devious right. and villainous, that's what... Like, I feel like in this show, they're going to pace it, and people are going to be like, oh, she's the one doing it, and then the twist will be later, and it'll be like, well, okay... So many twists! Why right. so many yeah, twists? Like, yeah, I already know sort of what's to be trusted and what's not kind of thing, so... So, I don't know, that's just what I... Yeah. The thought that I had about that, but... Yeah, so that that's a choice that I don't know yeah. quite how I feel about. Um... Overall, it seems to be a good adaptation. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I know you're going to ask me a really hard question at some point here, and <laughs> I've got a complicated answer, but that's what I'll say for now. It's okay. Like it's a, an interesting adaptation. Yeah. Uh, my big feeling after this was, and it was something I mentioned already, which I wanted Pan to be more of a character, yes. and I wanted Damon's to be more in this. Yes. That was sort of my big thought. But when I thought back on this TV show, the word that I used was frantic. There was just this, like ball of energy frantic pace to everything yeah and and james mcavoy i feel like really pushes that every scene yeah. he's in he's like yelling yeah. and arms everywhere and i don't dislike it but it's just you know it, it's getting a lot of info at us but i i wonder if some of the other episodes will will settle in and have more quiet moments or or something yeah. you know or or if it i don't will think just we see him like, for a while wow. yeah and i think that'll help yeah. and you know that's also a slight character deviation where i feel like in the book he's like a little bit quieter mm -hmm. like a little bit more sinister but in a quieter way yeah, yeah. or 
equally sinister, but in a quieter yeah. way. And, you know, just the way he looks and stuff in the show, too, is he's sort of smaller and, like, spitfire and, like, oh, he's yeah. going. When I read the book, the picture I had in my head was sort of a, a very big guy with sort of a beard. And, yeah, like, his movements are, yeah. he's, he seems very like strong. Yeah, but but that he won't use his strength unless he needs to. Right. Sort of the, the idea that I get from him that, whereas in the show, it's like, I I can I think of him carrying that baby in the flood like take this baby from yeah <laughs> like, yeah it's a little I have to go shoot six head. cannons at someone in my airship <laughs> like, okay, yeah okay go we gotta go yeah, yeah. so so all right here is the tough question yeah what would you rather do would you rather keep reading the book or keep watching the show oh okay so if I have to choose it's probably I mean assuming and now I have read these books before yeah. So it's a little hard to kind of walk all that back. Mm -hmm. But if I were coming to both of these for the first time, I think I'd want to continue with the books. Partly because I think I'd be more confused about the demons. Mm -hmm. Also, Pan is one of the best characters. And I I really like seeing him. And he's fun in the book. Kind of brings this, like, levity to it. And this, like fun interesting component so i think i'd do that now i i have my feelings about mrs coulter right. and like i think i will given that i've already read the books yeah. i think i will continue with the adaptation yeah if i have to choose probably the books yes yeah. you know there's this is one of those things that there's something really cool to me about being able to see some of this stuff yeah and again i touched on that like that scene in the in the library even seeing something like an airship and like the way yeah. that those things happen there's so many little details that you can put into a show that right. we can see but i also would continue on with the book rather than the show if you made me choose and i think for me it's almost a tone thing i just i like the tone of the book yeah i like sort of how it settles in it feels like even just after those first 50 pages, you're like, I'm in for a ride here. And there's going to be yeah. moments where uh, what I liked about that was there were moments where the stakes were high and we were moving fast. But then there are moments that were just kind of settled in and we were learning yeah. some stuff. And even though the plot's going to be moving forward and we're no longer in Lyra's you know, home comfort, there will still be those moments where yeah. I always am impressed by writers who can sort of pull off that thing of like somebody's traveling and, you know, it's like for three days they did this and this and also this and and you like give your characters a routine feels very weird whereas on a show like this i just feel like they cut out any unnecessary thing and i I, one of the moments i really liked in the show was that last scene where lyra just looks at the compass and then the monkey is watching her we didn't need any words nobody was saying anything we could just see it in people's faces and i feel like if the show like that was what i wanted from a scene with her and her uncle was maybe a scene where there's just some some you know a quieter moment or or a look or she says something important to him and he has to you know there was like that that i feel like the show is gonna kind of miss out on but at the same time that's not to say that the show is bad because i do think you know they i i I think that there's i like i like that there's some time and some distance from you know sort of when the movie came out and when this book came out it feels like the people who are writing this and making this care about telling the story well. Yeah. Which in an in an age of adaptations and too many sequels to things we didn't ask for is, is something <laughs> yeah. that bothers me when it's like, oh, we're just doing this to try to make some money on it right. kind of thing. It, it just it doesn't seem like there's care put into this, but this feels like, yeah, we wanna yeah. we wanna tell this right. And I liked the actors in it, and this is such a dumb thing, but I liked that there were some actors that I recognized, but for the most part, all these people were new to me. And yeah. 
I just, I like that because it didn't feel like anybody sort of stole the show. I really liked Roger, but it didn't feel like yeah. it was like someone's movie and they were going to take it and run with it. Right. Or somebody's show and that was it. You know, they could have gotten somebody very high profile. Well, they did. Instance, Coulter. Oh, but, well, not for, but, but I mean, later, Lin-Manuel Miranda. Oh, I forget that he's going to be in it. He's going to be in is it. Is he Sam Elliott? Is he the, the, the cowboy? Yes. Uh, I forget what it Lee is. Lee, Sp- yeah, Sp- Lee Skarsgård. Sp- yeah. Sp- <laughs> Bill Skarsgård. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what is his Damon? Shoot. He has like a very specific yeah, yeah, yeah. Damon. Dang. I'm going to forget now. Oh, but, but so it, like he's the big name. Yeah. And I am interested. I've heard some mixed things yeah. um, about what his portrayal is like. Interesting. Um, but he has the big name. Yeah, in it. but again, otherwise, I that he was in that. Yeah, uh, you know, it's funny because a, a lot of people I know who I've actually never. Well, this isn't true. I have seen Lin Manuel Miranda in uh, I, the Broadway thing that I've seen him in was Freestyle Love Supreme. He was like the guest that night for the that was the that's the improv thing. But you know, I haven't right. actually been able. I I didn't see In the Heights, and I certainly didn't get a chance to see Hamilton when he was in Hamilton. Right, but. A lot of people don't think much of him as an actor, uh, with as, right, as his acting which, chops, which yeah. I don't disagree. I don't think he's terrible, but a lot of people point to. Did you watch um, uh, Mary Poppins Returns? Did no, but I've he heard was in that. And, not you know, great. Things. He's not great, but also the part. It's just that part isn't. You know, it's not a demanding yeah. acting part. It's a chimney sweep with some charm. Like well, and, and he is you know? straight up said that like Hamilton is. He is Hamilton, right? right? right, right. And so right. I'm not sure that it took a lot of really deep acting right. for him to render Hamilton right. as right. as character. And, and In the Heights is the same. I mean, it's yeah. really just like his life. It's, it's right. very much him. So Okay, so, Lee, yeah. just to yes, say, yes, I looked please. it up here, is a shabby hair as thin and tough looking as he was. <laughs> which What's his last name? Does it say? Uh, Scoresby. Scoresby, there you yeah. go. This is the other thing I remember from this book is very specific first and last names. Lee Scoresby, yeah, Billy Costa. <laughs> like yeah. I just, I remember these. Like those are the things that stick out Lyra. in my head, and just Lyra. But then just I remember Lyra. Lyra Silvertongue from from later when the bear yeah. calls her that. But. Yeah. So all but, right, well, so it sounds like Jess and I would both continue on with the book, which right. perhaps isn't surprising, you know, yeah. given given what you listeners may know about myself and about Jess at this point in time. But I I do think this was probably a tougher choice for both of us than than it would seem at first glance. Yeah. Yeah, um, and it's so colored by the fact that, like, I do know the series, yeah. and, I like, I think that's really strong. Yeah. But, yeah, I will probably go back and try to yeah. watch at least a couple more episodes to really get a feel yeah. for it. It's cool. I'm glad they're doing it. This is something that I always liked, and, and I'm happy to see them doing it. I don't have HBO, so I, I was able to watch via my cable. They offer uh, the first episode for free, so okay. that's how I was able to watch the first episode. I got the free episode, trial, but, yeah, like a free seven-day trial. I might so. have to, to figure out a way to, to yeah. watch this in some way, shape, or form. That would form. be the big barrier, I think. If I don't yeah. if I don't watch a couple more episodes in the next seven days, I probably right. will cancel my trial right. and forget right. about right. it. So, well, anything else you wanted to add about Golden Compass or anything? No, I don't think so. Cool. Anything good you're reading right now? I am reading um, the second book in the Nevernight trilogy. Who wrote uh, that? Jay Kristoff, which I was super skeptical about okay. for lots of reasons. Yeah. Um, mostly, like, it's a female main character written by a dude, which I don't yeah. Yeah. tend to love. Yeah. 
but this is so well done. Oh, cool. And it's so good. And it's like, the Magician's got so many comparisons to Harry Potter, but yeah. for adults. No, but this actually feels a little bit like that. Nice. It's an assassin. Well, the first one's an assassin school. Oh, cool. And okay, the twist at the end is great. And then the second one, this is at a gladiator in a gladiator ring. Cool. And is so, like, it's just, it's been a real delight. Nice. Um, the third one's out. The third one came out last year. Um, yeah. So it's been a long time since I've had a series that I'm like, no, I'm going to read all three of these back to back to back. Cool. Actually, the last series that I think I really felt that way about was also by, partially by Jay Kristoff. Oh. Um and Amy Kaufman called Illuminae, oh, which yeah, yeah. oh my god, I cannot even <laughs> tell you how good that series is. Okay, I think it's looking. Yeah, so but this is very very good. I've recommended it to a bunch of people already. Cool. Um, so I'm really enjoying good. that. I'm always yeah. curious what you are reading and liking. So, all right, well it's a book pick for for Jess and myself, yeah. but I'm glad that we did this. And yeah. Thank you for coming back up and of doing course. this. And yeah. Diving Anytime. back into the Golden Compass. This yeah. was fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Great. Well, good night from Jess and myself and from Lee Scoresby. Lee Scoresby. Now I remember the name. And Mrs. Coulter. <laughs> and Mrs. Just Coulter. throwing that out there. <laughs> just Google. What's the, whatever the gif, you need to send me the gif so that I can post it on it's the It's just on her the walking in that oh, okay. power suit. I'll it's have to find great. it and post it. So I'll good night from you, power yeah. suit gifts here. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, Jess. Thanks. <laughs> have you met Furthermore's unofficial Damon mascot, Noodle, the dog? That's right. He's on Furthermore's Instagram page, which you can find at Furthermore Podcast, all one word. Follow us on Instagram, give our photos a couple likes, and every now and then, you may find a picture of Noodle gracing your Instagram story. Furthermore was created by Andy Dorado. It's written, edited, produced, and all the music you hear is by Andy Dorado. Hey, I mentioned our Instagram page, but if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or any other streaming service that lets you comment, why don't you give us a comment and give us a rating? I'm genuinely curious to hear people's thoughts on the podcast, and any feedback you want to give us is much appreciated. If you have friends or a book club that are looking for a new podcast recommendation, consider sharing Furthermore with them. We do a lot of book stuff here on Furthermore. I'm enjoying doing head-to-head where we branch out into movies and TV shows. So if you know a friend who's looking for anything new and entertaining in their life in podcast form, please recommend Furthermore to them. Hey, all the artwork for Furthermore is done by Max Farinato, who you can find on Instagram at cbartist underscore. Max also does live Twitch streams, and he's kind of breaking into some animation in his live Twitch streams. I highly recommend looking up cbartist on Twitch, and you can actually go to our Instagram and check out some of our shared posts of Max as well. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Furthermore, and thank you, Jess, for coming up and, and doing it again. I know Jess had a good time with it. I had a blast. The Golden Compass was a book that it was really fun to go back and rediscover. I guess you're looking for a TV show recommendation this week, huh? Well, how about this? How about the TV show Sunnyside? When I was a kid watching cable, I would give new shows a chance all the time, and at some point in time, I had my heart broken by too many six-episode runs of series that honestly went nowhere. I found Sunnyside on Hulu, which is a show created by Cal Penn about a city councilman from Queens who is disgraced, thrown out of office, and who finds a ragtag group of people trying to become American citizens to teach just to get some extra cash at first, but they quickly become friends. Listen, Sunnyside is no masterpiece, but it's fun, it's funny, I like the characters, and if you're looking for something that's a half an hour, relaxing, maybe it reminds you of 30 Rock or Parks and Recreation, I recommend Sunnyside. It's, it's funny how much it reminds me of community, almost in the aspect of people studying together, they hang out in one location. It's just got all those nostalgic sitcom vibes that I absolutely love. So please, check out Sunnyside. That's my TV pick for this month.
If you missed the big announcement at the beginning of the episode last time, I'm glad you're still here listening because my wife and I are expecting our first child come March. So I've got a whole month of furthermore head-to-heads planned. I've got two more episodes for this month, but come March, you may see a little bit of a hiatus from furthermore. Don't worry, I will definitely be back. More sleep-deprived, but happier and a first-time dad, and I can't wait for all of that to come. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Furthermore. If you ever need a book recommendation, please reach out to me. It's what I do. This is Andy, and hey, keep reading.